Welcome to the Humanize the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. If you're a million quid and I can find you 2%, we've got your money back. Yeah. So I've never found, not found 2%. Okay. And that's sort of the, that, that's the problem. That's why the turnover has to be relatively high because the margin of error, the sensitivity of that 2% is, uh, you know, and most of the time you have a pricing conversation, which is 6% and you've done three years fees. So it's not, it's not massively difficult to justify your existence for the first couple of years. How do you answer the challenging questions from prospects or clients when they pose, what am I getting for my money to you? Now, it's one thing to respond to that challenging question if you're talking about accountancy and tax services. But what about when you're talking to them about business growth advisory services? Now, on this podcast interview, you're going to hear Luke Smith from his firm Purpose on the island of Jersey. And Luke's firm is predominantly an advisory firm. They, they bill far more for their advisory services than they do for their accountancy services. So when Luke gets asked the question, what am I getting for my money? He's got to know what he's talking about. And you'll hear what he, his approach, what he says, and, and how he tackles that challenging question amongst other valuable insights. Now, this podcast is different because it's not just Luke and I chewing the fat. You're going to hear other voices from accountants who are in a group session with me and Luke quizzing him on exactly how he runs his firm. Let's go to that discussion now. Luke, would you, um, to start with, please give us um, a little bit of background to uh, purpose, the nature of the firm, and um, how it started and, 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 and bring us up to date as quickly as you can do that. Yeah, so uh, my original background was um, trained with KPMG in, in audit, in financial services clients here in Jersey. Um, left that after three or four years, went into, uh, went into industry and was uh, FD of a local trust company um, for three or four years. Chance came to buy back into a local practice, had about 100, 100 clients, something like that, me and a business partner uh, in 2007. Um, and I've been working for that, that, that firm was called Foxy Knight and, and Purpose is a name change from that firm back in 2007. Um, me and the business partner decided the only way to stay friends was to stop working together in 2011. So Andy went off, we split the uh, client base. He took 95, 94 clients and 30% of the revenue. And I took six clients and 70% of the revenue. Um, and that was the beginning of purpose. So um, the main reason for the, for the split was uh, he very much wanted to continue down the route of um, sausage factory compliance. And obviously my clients were worth a lot more than his on the average. Um, and uh, it wasn't fair that, that, that the way that we were splitting everything and the direction of travel for the business. So that happened in 2011. And I had uh, George, who was 17, and Barry, who was 63, uh, come along um, with me at that time to manage those six clients. Since then, um, we're now up to, I think, around... 40 clients, 38, 40 clients, something like that. Um, so slow progress, but, you know, average fees around 25 grand 
um, a year and um, lots of extra transactional work uh, based on these clients all being sort of fairly active in M&A and um, business growth um, and, and, and things like that. So we're now, um, I don't know, I think we've probably got 12, 11 or 12 people and we've got a couple in the Philippines um, who do sort of some nuts and bolts bookkeeping. About a third of the client base is um, full outsource, so they don't have anybody in their business that does bookkeeping, financial control, anything. We do everything for them, so basically an outsource finance function. Um, and um, the rest of them are either on a quarterly or monthly board meeting cycle where we run the board meetings. All, all of them, though. Uh, except for a couple of mates from football who are just annoying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So which is a couple of favours for, for friends, but generally speaking, the, the minimum entry is quarterly management accounts and board meetings. Um, otherwise, we're just not that interested. Okay. So minimum, other than a couple of mates, minimum fees probably around 10, 11 grand, something like that. Right. Brilliant. So um, when you um, formed NUCO in 2011, you started with the name Purpose then? No, so we kept Foxy Night for a little bit. Paul, I uh, went to see um, Steve Pipe in London and uh, Paul Dunn turned up at the end of the day and uh, read his read film of the future, which was life-changing at the time, mm -hmm. and then read another 40 or 50 business books um, and then came up. Paul and Masami came over uh, in 2013 for the name-changing ceremony at a local hotel, cool. and um, that was good fun. Um, and at that time, I think we had about, well, it wasn't many, it was probably 10, 10 clients, something like 10, 10, 15 clients, something like that. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the whole Simon Sinek video was the start of, um, understanding why and going on that journey and uh nothing majorly new has come along since then really in terms of the whole the whole purpose-driven yeah, yeah, yeah. business um and uh yeah sometimes i still look at it and think what a stupid name but generally speaking it's fine you know and it's not you know it's 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 different yeah it's yeah different. yeah odd one for an accounting firm it holds you to a different standard, which can be helpful, but can also not be helpful, um, you know. So, uh, but generally I think, well, staff don't leave unless we want them to. There's there's certainly a, a, a driven um, element to what we're doing and we try our best to articulate purpose throughout whatever we do. So it's, it's not inauthentic, just sometimes it can be, you know, it's a high standard to hold yourself to the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and and I get that, and but you did that consciously at the time, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't it wasn't Paul's idea, so uh, you know, um, no, no, it was all. Otherwise, I should have just gone into investment banking and made a fortune, um, you know, and sell sell your soul. But actually, you can. We've done some really cool things over the last five or six years with clients in terms of turning around failing businesses, um, and and saving a lot of jobs. I mean, there's been quite a few job cuts as well in places. But, um, you know, all of the businesses are stronger for going through the process with us, definitely. So all your clients are stronger. In what, in what sense are they stronger? 
Uh, well, they know they know their numbers, so they are making better decisions on the fly because they know, for example, if if someone's asking for a ten percent discount and their net margin is eight percent, that that's a bad plan. Um, they all think they know their gross margins. None of them do. Um, none of them include anything other than direct costs in in pricing, which means that quite often they they lose money. Um, and they don't have visibility in the sort of size of clients we have. So we normally have a sort of entry point of around a million turnover. Right. Okay. Um, if if you're at a million turnover, you haven't normally just got one product or one department, and most of them don't understand the difference between what the different departments are making and how they interact and the cost of the admin of those departments. So um, there's lots of things that aren't visible until you properly set up. <laughs> The chart of accounts and, and understand how it all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good, very good. Um, Luke, the, I'm delighted to see the questions are coming in already. Um, Warren, would you like to uh, unmute and just ask your question uh, yourself? Uh, yes, I've managed that. Um, yeah, look, my question really is fairly straightforward. In terms of this is obviously reasonably high value stuff. Um, do you do the directors' meetings all yourself, or have you staff that are sufficiently confident to yeah to, so uh, take that on yeah so the um the staff aren't confident enough to argue directly with someone who's run their business for 10 to 15 years but we we do have them do all of the presentation of the numbers and the insight and analysis so um george or johnny who are our senior managers they will um come in present the figures talk about why the graphs have changed and the way they've changed um, where I have to sort of, Julie or I, my business partner, have to step in is, okay, so what What do we do about it? And um, so there is still an oversight role in terms of acting as, a, as an FD, strategic FD. Um, but in terms of the actual insight, um, the boys are very capable of, um, of, of delivering that themselves. And um, we're just starting to bring the juniors into the board meetings as um sort of note takers um and they're starting to see how the boys do their presentations and the boys are getting more confident seeing us do our arguing but um accountants aren't generally known for for, for being argumentative and where the a lot of the value comes in these board meetings is uh, is having you know rational arguments about the figures and so that's the next step of there we do a lot of work on confidence you know most of the work is on confidence and um, having them sit in the room and argue with someone who's run a business for 10 years, it takes quite a while for someone to have that confidence. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, good question. Thanks, Warren. No uh, Kevin, can we come to, to you next? Kevin Barrett? Morning, Luke. Morning. Um, my, my question was based um, on, you know, on, on the firms or most of the firms I would imagine that are, um, are on this call um, sort of still being back probably where you were back in 2007. Um, and I just wondered um, how, whether you thought it was that much easier in making the transition that you did in the sense that you already had those six clients who you were providing that for as compared to say a firm like mine where you know, we you know if we go down that route, we're jumping in completely um, blind into it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, circumstances helped, um, but um, we weren't doing. I wasn't doing advisory back in in to, until 
sort of 2012 when, when Andy left, um, we were doing just a lot of work for them because they were big firms. And what I had to justify to them was that they should actually bother listening to me. You know, that was the, that was the first hurdle was, was actually having credibility. Who's this, you know, sort of 30 year old accountant who's telling me how to run my business. And actually, you know, what, what, what it came down to was I did do that reading, you know, it took a long time to, to do all that reading and, and understand the theory well. Um, but what we've noticed over the last few years, actually, some of the clients um, who are on the monthly service are now moving to the quarterly service and they have been taught all the theory. You know, I've got nothing left to really teach them. And actually, they're just getting value from the, the boys and from the management accounts process. So we've got probably five or six, so probably what, 20 percent, a um, bit less of the client base who are just having the board packs and the reporting from the boys and, and actually the advisory piece is just giving them visibility. It's not having those arguments because they're past that stage. Now they know most of the theory. Occasionally I'll turn up and just say, what are you doing about this or that or whatever, but, but actually um, it's a lot, you know, we're thinking about um, we've got an opportunity to set up a compliance based firm. Um, we've got, we've got a client who's got 400 entities that use other accountancy firms. So we're thinking of, creating a sausage factory for that. And I think that's going to be easier because um, we won't turn purpose into both. We'll have them separate um, because we just, we, we couldn't do it now. I don't think we'd go back the other way and I don't think the staff would tolerate it. So there is setting up, if I was to do it from where you guys were, I would, I would set up a separate department for doing that type of work. It's too difficult to create um what we've done from within doing all the compliance i think it's too difficult to do that having a little dedicated team to do it um would, would probably be the best way of the best way of doing it i think um we're producing 130 sets of management accounts a month with with 10 people um so that's proper effort every month board meetings at the end of every month and we only miss two or three so doing that as well as we, our compliance work suffers, you know, we, we still have a hundred sets of accounts to do a year. Um, and, uh, we're not great at that. So, um, you know, that's, that's where we fall down. Okay. Thanks. Kevin. Stuff. We've got one more just now, and then we'll move back to you, Paul. Okay. Um, Brendan, uh, do you want to ask your question? Come off mute and ask your question. Yeah. Hi Luke. Um, how, how have you won your new clients to grow from six to 40? And what work best in attracting them to your firm? Okay, Brendan, we're going to come to that question in a minute. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no. It's, you know, it's a great question. I just, there's, there's. I just want to pick up on something Kevin covered off first, and then, and then we'll come to well, how do you win these clients? Because that's exactly where this is going. All right. So, brilliant yeah. question. Um, I, I want to just dive into uh, this. Your, your comment, Luke, about credibility. So establish so you've 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 not run businesses like your clients have run their businesses, and you're trying to tell them or not trying, you are telling them what to do, arguing the toss with them, um, based on something you've read in a book. Yeah, well, you know, we don't take on competing clients, so none of our clients do the same thing, um, and that obviously, you know, scalability of that is, is challenging. But in Jersey, I, I didn't think that I could justify being a, what is a virtual FD to two competing businesses just doesn't, doesn't work over here. So um, what the, com the conversation goes along the lines of, I don't know how to fix a car or I don't know how to 
run a hire services company or a recruitment agency. What I do know is the interaction between costs and revenue, staff, utilization, recoverability, uh, margin, um, pricing theory, operational effectiveness, all those things. And all businesses are the same. You buy stuff and you sell stuff and you want to keep some of the profit in the middle um, as you go through. You want to make sure your, your cash flow is, is good. And we've borrowed lots of good examples from, you know, um, one of our double glazing client, we use their um, cash collection methodology with most of our clients in financial services now because they've got some really good ideas about how to get money out of people. Um, so it's it's when we're having these conversations, they're like, well, you know, nobody knows my better business and better than me. They're like, well, no, you know how to do it, but you don't know how it really works underneath the skin. And we do, you know, that's, that's the conversation. You have to be quite, again, it's back to confidence. You have to be quite confident that you do. Um, and at the start, the conversation was, this is the theory I've read, does this apply? Whereas now it's a bit more like we've done this for 10 years. We know what we're talking about it. You know, you, you can like it or you, you don't have to, you know, and if you want to, you know, if you want to work together, then great. If you don't, then fine. You know, you've got two competitors and we'll go and talk to one of them. So, you know, that's the um, that's that's that conversation where it is difficult and it's not an easy sell because most of them leave paying you know, three grand a year for an annual set of accounts and we end up charging 20 and they're like, well, what am I getting for my 17 grand? And I said, I don't know, but you'll be more profitable. You know, that's, that's, I don't know. you know, um, because I don't know until I know, you know. So that leap from 3K to 20K, what am I getting for my money is the, the response to that is, I don't know. Is mm. that right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a terrible response, but, um, you know, that, that is the response. It's like, you know, if you're a million quid and I can find you 2%, we've got your money back. Yeah. So I've never found, not found 2%. Okay. And that's sort of the, that, that's the comment. That's why the turnover has to be relatively high because the margin of error, the sensitivity of that 2% is, uh, you know, and most of the time you have a pricing conversation, which is 6% and you've done three years fees. So it's not it's not massively difficult to justify your existence for the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know so there are three or four clients who have been with us since 2012, and they moved off. We we encourage them to move away from monthly meetings to quarterly meetings, yeah. um, and um, because it's it is difficult to continue to justify that sort of level of, of value that yeah. regularly. But for the first five years, there's shitloads to do. So, um, you know, there's lots of things that you can work on yeah. um, with them. And is there, is there a running order in terms of the things that you naturally go to? Yeah, so pricing is always terrible. But the, the first stage is the chart of accounts. So um, the previous accountant usually hasn't bothered to put anything in cost of sales that's a true cost of sales. And what you find is that um, getting really granular on cost of sales makes life a lot easier for everybody because clients say they can't put their prices up until you explain to them that the motor vehicle's cost is a cost of sale and they're not including it in their pricing. So um, if you really work hard on what true cost of sales is and you use classes or tracking categories, you suddenly have visibility that they've never had before. Um, and at that point, you, you work on, you know, your pricing, you work on um, cost, sort of the working capital cycle um, in terms of cash flow, 
deposits everybody i argue normally for three to six months with people about taking deposits then they do it and then nine months later they say why didn't we do this 20 years ago I'm like yeah agreed so there's, there's a number of um business model changes that we introduce over the first 12 months that always end up generating more cash and more profit for the business right and is it the cash or the profit that tends to make the business owners happier? We, we, you know, how does that work? It, yeah, it's, it, and, and again, it's really difficult. It's just they just feel better. And so, you know, invited to weddings, invited to golf and lunch and everything all the time. And it's... Is that before we, they really get to know you that late? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> as you know, as you know. Um, but um, it's... No, it, you, you have to like them because... You do become their their go-to. I mean, you know, one of them um, said, "Well, I don't even tell my wife this stuff." So, you know, it, it does get quite in detail the relation. You have to be ready to get really involved in their in their lives and their businesses. Well, even though you're talking, you know, cost of sales, pricing, working capital, how how does it get so personal if you're delving into what is true accountancy territory? Well, they've never they've never had anyone to share this information with. You know, unless unless the business is up at five or six million, there isn't really another grown up in the building with them. There's there's just them who's who's running it and is stressed. And because of the relationship that that you've got in that you can't tell anybody and you, our success is directly linked to theirs in terms of if they're not successful, we'll lose their fees. Um, the trust is is very, very strong. You know, to the to the point where actually a couple of them are selling them and we're, we're buying their businesses. So you know, there's uh, there's there's scale through acquisition of clients rather than growth in the accountancy firm now. So um, you know, that's the next game. So um, that's unusual too, I guess. Not too many accountancy firms are out there, you know, growing their clients and then buying them. Wouldn't wouldn't it be better to buy them earlier? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's enough money, so it's not. I'm not yeah, that bothered. And yeah, yeah. ultimately, as you know, Paul, I'm going to be chief minister and own the island. So yeah, it's uh, there's a there's a there's a journey. But I'm not too bothered if everybody wins throughout the process. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Now, if anyone thinks Luke's joking about being uh, chief minister on that jersey, he's not. No. <laughs> They're uh, all okay. anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so let, let's go back to uh, Brendan's uh, conversation on, on on winning clients. So if I can go back in time first, so you 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 split with Andy and and you took you know five or six clients with you that weren't advisory clients, and then you. No. Said, win advisory fees was that deliberate uh well they, they weren't advisory because we didn't i didn't know what to talk about or, or what to do um very quickly after reading um so everything by ron baker and um a bit more by paul and then a load of michael gerber stuff yeah um that then became quite easy to to say well you know what do you what, this process you're only making 28 percent Yes, pricing is an issue, but where is where's the leakage in the costs? And starting to talk to people a bit more about linking the process to the profitability, um, and um, and obviously they liked that. They they liked having those conversations. They liked having someone else to blame operational changes on. And these so, are existing clients that you'd already yeah place where yeah. you were doing lots of work with. Yeah, so I, I sort of said, you know, we're doing all this for you, but. Can we can we sit down together once a month or once a quarter and go through everything and work out what's changed? 
And they were like, well, we'd already had, a, you know, they'd already been around a while, so they trusted me. Um, and um, I said, yes, you know, okay. yeah. Right. And then, uh, so let's let's now talk about where I think Brendan's going is the next one. How, how, how did you win the next client? Or the next two or three, if that's easy. I know it's yeah, hard to the, go back the, in time, but yeah, yeah. The first, the first four new VFD clients, Paul Dunn came over to Jersey, and we got 110 businesses in the room, and 21 signed up, which uh, to a to a one page plan business planning session. Right. And we we got four VFD clients out of that. So so that seminar really sort of set us off for the next year. Um, and then after that, um, let me just have a look down there, down the list. So that was that was that year. And then a couple of um, people I used to work with moved business and and wanted to wanted to bring us on. Um, a couple of times I've um, pretended to want services from people, um, and then started to talk about what we do, and they've been interested, and that's worked quite well. So um, we want to move property or we want to do an event or we want to, you know, whatever. Um, they're like, oh, what do you guys do? And we're like, oh, this is what we do, you know. And so that's worked out quite well. Um, that was a, a deliberate uh, sort of Trojan horse strategy. Sammy, Sammy, can't hurt, can it? Can't hurt. <laughs> um, and um, I mean, we've never done any marketing or advertising that's really worked. Um, I've never put any... Sort of time or effort in you know taking on a, a new client is quite a significant job so when we only had sort of five people that was you know it was quite challenging to to bring someone on because the quality of what was coming across was so poor mm. um, and we take probably two months to re-engineer the chart of accounts and the tracking categories into the sort of new shape that actually it has some value um, and actually just getting people up to date most of the time there obviously nine months behind on on numbers because previous accountant etc yeah um so and then we did start to we have had a few clients through through reputation um but mostly it's been playing golf with a client who's got a mate who owns a business or um jersey business is a local quango for um business growth and um they've been quite supportive of those sorts of clients they're mainly focused on startups if some we're quite well known for for, for turning a decent turnover loss making business into a decent profit and helping sell it so we've right. done that 10 or 11 times now we've, we've turned one and a half million of turnover and 200,000 of losses into 1.2 million of turnover and 300,000 of profit um for a sale so there's a tried and tested routine to look at costs reorganize the business make a profit and then with the successful guys that come in it's really about um how do we go from where we are to something much bigger and helping them scale so um that there's this two bits you've just listened to a group of accountants and myself grill luke on the details of his advisory firm. If you want to hear the second part of this discussion with Luke, please go to humanisethenumbers.online and download yourself a copy of the second part of this discussion. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. 
You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.